0: The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 until verse 25, which says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And then flip over to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 20. This is page 857 in the Pew Bible, Luke chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's seek his help, his blessing as we receive that word this evening. Let's pray. Lord, we bless you for this marvelous event your word concerning him who came into the world Jesus the light of the world we pray lord god that that light would shine upon us your people even this evening father cause your word to be for us a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we receive it please come to us and bless us in the knowledge of him who is the light and joy of the world, even our Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless us, Lord God, that we might know you more deeply and that we might glorify you in our lives. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, in this uh, season where we've had another opportunity to ponder uh, the, the birth of Christ and really all of the amazing events surrounding that great Event, I would ask us uh, as we're sitting here this evening, thinking about these things, to ask the question: uh, What should we be praying that these events will uh, have? An, uh, what kind of impact will we pray that this will have on us? How shall all the all of these things? affect us. And I would suggest that we can use, uh, to help us this evening, use some of those, those words which we heard, Mary, the, the song of Mary as sort of an example for us. Just think about Mary's experience as he had just received that amazing news that she would be blessed, favored to be the one who would give birth to that, that one who would reign as uh, the, the son of David king, the Messiah king, on his throne. How did she respond? And thinking particularly, yes, of those those words we heard earlier, actually, actually, Pastor Holst read for us, those words which are uh, known as the, uh, the, the, the Magnificat. Think about what Mary said, and I want you to think about how, by God's grace, for everyone here this evening who knows Jesus, who knows this one, who's received him as the King, God has made these words to become your words this evening. Dear Christian, are you saying these things? Are you singing this song in your own life this season? and always. I'm thinking of some words from verses 46 to 49, where Mary says, "'My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things.'" for me. Think particularly on those, those last words. You know, we think about all these events, all the great things that God did, and think about the fact that, that, that all these things were done for you. You can say with Mary, the Lord has done great things for me, and that means that that, that the God sending angels from heaven to come and speak to Mary and to Joseph and even to come and speak to the shepherds out in those fields, that was done not just for them, that was done for you. When the Holy Spirit came upon the Virgin and the power of the Most High overshadowed her and caused her to conceive the Holy One, the Son of God, that was for you. When God even worked providentially to order the the emperor to issue that decree such that the entire world would be registered and how God used that event to make sure that the family of Jesus would travel to Bethlehem such that he would be born in the very city where the prophet had promised that the king would be born. All of that was for you as being born and placed in an animal trough. Uh, the, the the choir of angels singing to those shepherds, later the, the men from east being guided by that star to the place where Jesus was such that they would worship him, even the Lord later protecting the Christ child from the, the wicked, jealous, bloodthirsty Herod. All of these things were for you. You can ponder them all this Christmas season and say, the Lord has done great things, great things for me. Well, as we ponder them again this evening, I want to suggest that they all proclaim this wonderful message, which is this, that Christ was born to us in order to purchase for us a home with him in glory forever. And ever think on that this evening. I want us to consider that message, and and I have for us three three points, three gospel lessons which we can receive from uh, the story of Christ's birth. There's a lot of overlap really this evening from uh, uh, what you'll hear from me and what we already heard from from Pastor Holst. But this is such an important message that it's good that we really soak it in uh, and receive it this evening. First, we'll note that this. This, the birth of Christ, the story of Christ's birth, it is part of his story of incomprehensible sacrifice. Secondly, that that sacrifice is a sacrifice of infinite worth. And then lastly, but that that by that sacrifice, Christ has purchased for us a heavenly home in glory. Consider first then his birth part of the story of his incomprehensibly great sacrifice again what pastor holt showed us this morning is uh, so wonderfully presented from from John's gospel we're really pondering it further as we think a little bit more about the details some of the details of the uh the the events of the, the birth of Christ but again dear christian i would say let these truths become very personal to you the truth of the incarnation think of it as as this way God God taking on human form in Christ don't as pastor holse said this morning i was planning to say the same thing this was it's not simply a you know a fine point in a in a systematic theological textbook see this is something that that God has done for you God became like you dear christian like you in every way except that he was without sin, but but like you in every way, even as you were in your infancy. We do well to remember this evening that, that everyone, every one of you sitting here was at one point a tiny, helpless little baby. You were completely dependent upon your mother to sustain your fragile life, nursing you and taking Care of you. Maybe you children sometimes forget that about your parents. Your parents were once tiny little babies. There they were, you know, crying, wearing diapers and onesies and spitting up all over themselves. Could you imagine? It can be hard to imagine it, but could you imagine if, if, uh, if that were the case even tonight, if suddenly we were all magically transformed back into our infant state and here we were, a sanctuary? Full of helpless, crying babies. Oh, how helpless we would be. But that gives us a big, good picture of what we were like in that state in which God came to us. We were weak. We were helpless. We were needing rescued. And God came to us to do just that. But in order to come to us, in order to rescue us, he too had to become weak and helpless as we are. We consider the manner in which he, he came. He came not to be over us, not immediately. The path unto glory would be for him a path of humility. Since John's gospel does not include the birth narrative, if all we had was the gospel of John, we might be given the impression that, that the incarnation involved God coming into this world and immediately coming in the form of Uh, of an adult, a grown-up, an adult. Of course, even that, even that would have been unthinkable and an amazing act of condescension. The very fact that God would in any way come to this world and take on human flesh is most unthinkable. I mean, just think on it. Eternal God, As we saw this morning, the one who was the the word, the one who was in the beginning, the one who was with God, the one who was God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, everything, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. For God, the creator, God, the son, to leave leave the glories of heaven and to come into this fallen, sin-cursed world was something so, so Great, we see that reflected all over in the New Testament. We think of Paul's words uh, about Christ, saying that He emptied Himself, being born in the likeness of men, Philippians chapter two, verse seven. And yes, it's true that that He was without sin in the sense that He was not sinfully uh, inclined to. He wasn't inclined towards sin. He never once, ever did sin, but He did take on the form of a body that was affected by sin, affected by the cursed, the curse, just as yours and mine are. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 tells us that God had sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And so he had a body like ours. He had a true human soul. He was cursed by sin such that he could experience sickness. He could suffer pain. He could experience true sorrow, even anguish of soul, just like we do. All of this he did for us. He understands fully our weakness. He became like us. He was tempted in every way that we are, the Bible says. And yet he was was, was without sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And not just as an adult human. Both Matthew and Luke record not only his, his, his birth narrative, but Luke even gives some information about him growing up as a child, right? So God not just become a man again, he became a tiny little baby, as we confessed in our affirmation of, of faith this evening. That was part of his humiliation. Questions 46 and 47, you notice they, they speak, and they speak not only of his birth, even the conception, we believe life begins at conception, we sometimes uh, speak of the miracle of the virgin birth, but really the, the great miracle was not so much the birth; it was the, the the miracle of the virgin conception once the conception had occurred, as far as we can tell from scripture the the pregnancy and the birth were somewhat normal as it, as it happens and it happened in ordinary fashion, of course you, you mothers. Out there this evening could certainly remind us that, that there's nothing, nothing plain and ordinary about giving birth. It's an amazing thing, the miracle of the gift of life. But what makes it so amazing with respect to Christ is that this was God. Mary conceived and gave birth of the one who was God, who took on flesh. Jesus, the God-man. God was conceived. God was born of a woman. God became true man, a little baby. What an amazing act of condescension. I think it helps us to remember all that as we think about him lying there in that, that manger, a little baby, helpless, dependent upon his mother for milk and for care. It would have been an amazing thing, even if, even if he'd been born the, uh, the son of a, you know, a great wealthy king. But the catechism reminded us this morning that, that he was made of a woman of low estate. That he was born of her with diverse circumstances, of more than ordinary abasement or humiliation. He was not bor- born, in th- even by human standards, in some glorious fashion, but in great humility. We, we we do well i think to remember that in those days the entire world certainly lived in poverty compared to, to the kind of uh, circumstances in which we find ourselves living today jesus was was, was not born into a lifestyle where he would uh, enjoy most of the luxuries that you and i take for granted this evening but even by the standards of the day mary was not wealthy mary was not great Judging by her own words of, of praise to the Lord, she was a humble maiden, right? The Lord has, has looked upon the humble estate of his servants, the family of Jesus, uh, in obedience to the decree of the emperor. They traveled a long way to be counted in the government census, but they did not go as ones who would be counted as great ones, important ones, born and laid in a manger, some have pointed out that those nativity scenes we see may be somewhat misleading and if they sort of give us the impression that the the Jesus was you know born in a stable in a, in a barn sort of off in a field somewhere that Probably wasn't the idea. Uh, the inn referred to it wasn't like you know a Holiday Inn. It was probably the home of uh, of of the relatives, and they went there. And but there was no room in the inn. The inn was likely the the ordinary the guest room. Uh, it's the same room that that uh, Luke uses later when Jesus meets in a the the guest room with his disciples uh, there in the upper room uh probably the fact that there was no room was because it was so crowded that they had to stay in the other part of the house and it was common for uh folks to bring animals into the home f- to shelter them and so and so there would have been a manger there and so the idea was that uh, Mary gave birth and then took that baby and laid him there in a manger in an, an animal trough so, uh, but, but, but certainly this speaks to the the humble circumstances of his birth. Surely, if they'd been powerful and rich folks, they would have been given the very, very best accommodation. But no, our Lord, he did not lodge with the wealthy or with the powerful, the Son of God, to think that that one who from all eternity uh, dwelt together with the Father and with the Holy Spirit in glory, came into this world and he was counted one so unimportant. Truly, it speaks to the wonder that God laid aside his glory and he became like you. He came to lower himself, indeed, as we sung earlier, to lower himself not only in the form of such a a humble birth, but to lower himself by going all the way to the cross where he would suffer and die for our sins. Incomprehensible sacrifice, indeed. His birth story is part of the story of such incomparable sacrifice, incomprehensible sacrifice for you and for me. But then consider, secondly, this evening, that 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 sacrifice is yet a sacrifice of infinite worth. And I think, again, building on what Pastor Holst showed us this morning, some good application for us this evening is simply to remember, dear Christian, remember that your salvation is only by grace. I think this is, we're reminded of this as we think of the wonder of the Christmas story. Let it impress upon your hearts the truth that Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, truth that it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, that this is not your doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, lest any man boast. Do you think that you... This evening, you or your works, your contribution, anything you could ever do or give would work towards earning your own salvation? Do you think that the story of the birth of Christ lends itself to any kind of works, righteousness, salvation program? You know, it's sad to think that, to think that the, the, the Roman Catholic Church has managed to get this so terribly wrong in understanding the doctrine of justification as we understand it. But to think that how connected to this is that error of elevating Mary to a status of something of a co-redemptrix with Christ and, you know, believing that she was went on to be sinless and so forth. If Mary's words, I think, teach us anything this evening, they teach us that she and we are sinners in need of a savior. She says, she says my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Don't miss that. Surely it was her sinful uh, need that would also be, uh, explain those words. He's looked on the humble estate of his servant surely her humble estate was one of a lowly sinner, just like yours and mine, like you are and I are. Mary was indeed one who was saved only by grace for all generations to be able to call her blessed. God had to do something great. God had to to give a gift of infinite Worth, and I think it helps us to get this right when we remember that the birth of Jesus is part of uh, part of the story of his his work of infinite worth, as we were reminded so well this morning. God lowering Himself, Mary was not the one who took on flesh; who was God who took on flesh. Jesus was for our sins to be forgiven, as we heard so well this morning. God indeed had to become man. Such a sacrifice was necessary for you to be saved, dear Christian. God had to become true man. He had to lower himself unto death. The the, the debt of your sin was so great. It had to be that way. You deserve to suffer in hell forever forever. And ever and no mere man ever could have paid for your sins and the sins of the entire world, all who would ever believe in him. We were reminded of that so well, weren't we, this morning, as we were reminded of the great theological reflection of the, the, the church father, Anselm, who put it so well, you know. Man owed the debt. We owed a debt, but only God could pay that debt to be able to pay, to be able to both pay the debt and be the owner of the debt, God had to become man. And it's because Jesus is true God and true man that his sacrifice is of infinite worth. And the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, so wonderfully reminds us of that. We think about the manner in which his his birth was announced to those shepherds out in the field. Here again, Seemingly unimportant, right? Unimportant to the world, but there to the heavenly angels, this was something great. This was something worthy, worthy of worship. Only God can be worshiped, worthy of worship and praise. Jesus received worthy uh, uh, worship and praise greater than any emperor had ever in the history of the world or anyone ever received at their birth. Just imagine it. Just imagine what took place in the fields. Some of you enjoy uh, uh, seeing the fireworks from the 4th of July, right? Uh, pretty amazing the way that the, the lights just light up the sky like that. Well, I'm thinking that the greatest fireworks show in the history of the world was absolutely nothing in comparison to what those shepherds experienced on that night. Certainly not in terms of of spiritual significance, but to think that what was going on, you know, fireworks may be great, but they are of this world. What was going on here was that the the, the glories of the other world, the invisible realm where God dwells in all of his glory with the angels, suddenly heaven was opened up, the veil was removed and they were able to see that glory. And it was a testimony of the greatness, the glory, the infinite worth of the one who is coming into the world Oh, what glory, no wonder they sung, glory, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Of course, all of the other Great things. Everything we've already mentioned: the angels appearing to Mary, to Joseph, the miracle of the virgin birth, the star leading the wise men to bring their their uh, their expensive gifts and to bow down and worship. All of these were great signs that, though imp- unimportant to the in the eyes of the world, this baby, this little baby, was doing something great. He was destined for greatness he was destined by his work he would he would inherit a kingdom which would endure forever and ever and ever glory indeed of course again in one sense such glory would only come later after his suffering he had to suffer for you and for you and me uh, to be able to you and I to be able to receive salvation and have peace with god we can see in the humility of his birth, again, just just the, the beginnings of the suffering that he would have to endure, suffering that you or I could never, ever imagine far worse than sleeping in the, the place of animals. That little baby would, would grow up and think that after a life of perfect obedience, that his obedience would come to completion as he would suffer the shameful death of the cross. He would be hated by his people. But even worse than that, he would take upon himself the judgment we would deserve. He would suffer under the wrath of Almighty God, the judgment we deserve because of our sin. That baby in the manger was destined to bear the curse the curse of your sin and my sin in order to be able to do what the angel promised he would do you shall call his name jesus for he shall save his people from their sin he did this so that so that our sins having been removed we might have that peace which god announced even in, even through the choir of the heavenly angels glory would uh, would follow his suffering and yet even in his suffering Even his suffering himself, he was doing something of eternal worth, worthy of glory. His glory would be the proper reward of his suffering. And so the miracles, the dreams, the star, the angels, all of these glorious things God did, these great signs of glory, they were all giving testimony to the greatness, the glorious thing that that baby was doing. Eternal God. God. God of light and glory, God, the son for a world of those who had sinned and fallen short of that glory, God's glory. He was doing something most glorious and it had all begun. It had all begun in his humble birth and it would continue all the way up into his death and his resurrection, his perfect work, worthy of eternal glory as reflected by the promised reward. Again, as the angel Gabriel promised, the Lord God would give to him the throne of his father, David, and he would reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And of his kingdom, there would be no end. Brothers and sisters, think about that. Think about that kingdom. And yes, he did all that. It's all for you, all for me, all that we might inherit a kingdom and live with him in glory forever and ever. That brings us to our last point, the last thing I would have us consider about uh, the the birth of Christ, his, his part of his humble sacrifice of infinite worth, and by it, he has earned for us an eternal home in glory forever. Children, I want you to imagine something this evening think again about the shepherds out in the field. There they were, the dark sky suddenly lit up with all of the choir of heavenly angels singing the praises of Christ who had been born. Just imagine if if instead of the angels suddenly leaving the shepherds, going back to heaven and leaving them alone in the fields, what if instead the the, the shepherds had been caught up into the sky to be there singing with the angels? What if the shepherds had had returned to heaven to be with God, uh, to be with the angels and with God in heaven forever and ever? Would that not have been amazing? Obviously, that was not the plan of God. He had a great work for them to go do and see the Christ child and then give testimony, bear witness of what they'd heard and what they had seen. But people of God, just think about this. When our brief time in this world is over. We will be there doing just that, singing with the angels in heavenly glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you long for that? Do you long for your heavenly home this Christmas season? As you think about Joseph and Mary traveling to that, that crowded town of Bethlehem only to find that there was a crowded home. They weren't going to be able to stay in the guest room. No place for them in the inn or guest room, whatever it was. Just as you think about that, remember the promise of Christ. Interesting that Jesus was in a guest room prepared for him there with his disciples. And he made this promise in John chapter 14, verses one through three, he said, "'Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so.'" Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? A place for you. That word place, the Greek word, topos, is the very same word used by Luke when he said that there was no place, no room or place for them in the inn. Just think on that. Jesus came, he came into this this crowded, sometimes overcrowded and unwelcoming world, and there was no place for him here. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, we're told in John chapter 1. He came to suffer, but because he did so, because he came to us, we will one day go to him, and we need not fear. The angel said, do not fear. They had reason to fear by the glorious sight they saw. Do not fear, and we need not fear the possibility that there will be no room for us, no place for us. What has he promised us? Jesus told his disciples, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I think the Christmas story reminds us that it's true. The glories of heaven broke into this dark, sin-cursed world and that little baby Jesus Emmanuel God with us God had come to dwell with us as a great testimony that we will in day go and dwell with him in glory forever in that home of light and joy and righteousness is that not an encouraging word for us this christmas season is that not good news as you think upon the christ child born in humility but destined for eternal glory. Remember that such is your life and my life and, and all those who belong to him. Indeed, are we not told that we already enjoy every blessing with him in the heavenly places? we possess the spirit already the spirit a, a guarantee a deposit of our inheritance in glory just think on this just as just as surely as mary had the son of god in her womb we have god the spirit living within us god in us by the spirit the spirit the spirit is the beginning of of all that we will enjoy and so yes we're blessed and for now we don't we don't yet see angels in glory, you know, filling up, filling up the skies, but we have God's glory in our hearts, the spirit of glory dwelling in our hearts. Let it flow out of our mouths this season and all of our days. So may the spirit fill our hearts with that love and with that, that joy of Christ this season and always. And by God's grace, let us go forth and show that, that joy even to the world. God's not going to be sending angels, guiding people to the to see Jesus this Christmas season, nor will he send a star in the sky to you know guide people to, to where they would worship him. How in this dark, sin-cursed world will they see Christ? How will they be led? They'll be led by the Spirit through his word, and they'll be led by God's people as the Spirit transforms us and he makes of us witnesses of his glory. Are we not told that we, even now we are children of light? Are we not commanded, let's be obedient to Christ, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How do we do that? Well, one way is going back to the beginning. We purpose in our hearts to make the Magnificat, make the Song of Mary to be our song. You and I have every reason this this Christmas, this night, we have every reason to do just as Mary did sing unto the Lord, sing now, sing at last, when we are gathered together in the presence of of Mary and all of the saints, there, in the presence of Christ, we will at last sing that song, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Great things indeed. Glory be to God. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, may that be our song this night and this season and all of our days. Come to us, we pray. We need your help, oh God. We need your grace enabling us to continue singing. We need your grace to strengthen our faith. Oh, Lord, do that good work in us this Christmas and always fill us, fill our hearts and our minds by your spirit. Work through the word that we have received this day, that indeed we might be the people who bless and magnify your name for the great things that you have indeed done for us. We ask for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.